Good evening to you. It's Wednesday the 15th. It isn't. It's the 18th. Why did I say that? It's the 18th of January 2023. Another very cold day in the northwest of the UK. Thanks for finding me again. How are you this Wednesday? It's the phone-in show. I'll be taking your phone calls and your Skypes a little bit later on. The details, I'll give you the details in a moment. I'll play The Sting, but you'll find the details on the Facebook page for the show and also on richieallen.co.uk. You can, of course, reach out to me through the website, which I've just mentioned. It's Comment Live. That's the way to reach me on the website then. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, and the cold weather is going to continue until the weekends when it'll become a bit milder. I nearly came to grief this morning, so I did on my run. I'll tell you a funny thing, a very quick funny story about my run this morning. I witnessed a crash, would you believe? Yes, I was running down uh, near Liverpool Street, near near Regent Road. I was running back towards Salford. I was running back towards Langworthy Road. And there was a cement mixer truck, a big old thing. And it was coming towards me on the other side of the road, right? And it was turning right. It was coming towards me and turning right. Fair enough, it was indicating. And a little Egypt in a little racer, a little boy racer, in a, a little souped-up GT car, would you believe, attempted to overtake the cement mixer and got smashed up. I, I couldn't, for the life of me, understand why he didn't realise the cement mixer was turning right and was going down a street. And anyway, so there were a few witness to the, witnesses to this. I was one, and I did give my, my phone number to the driver of the cement mixer. said, if you need anybody to back your story up. Little idiot boy racer. Yeah, so a little bit of excitement in an otherwise dull morning for your BBG. So message me through the website, but that's the theme tune still going on there. Yeah, it is. Uh, Message me through the website if you like, but I would prefer that you chatted with me today. Here are the details, but as I've said, they're posted on the website on richieallen.co.uk, okay? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. If you called in the last time or even recently, please do not call in today and give other people a chance. If you've never listened, please consider... Listened? I think I'll start the programme again. Fluffer. Yeah, fluffer, Richie. That's a terrible thing to call yourself. There, There's another meaning for fluffer, isn't there? We say fluffing your lines in this business, but fluffer is a, is a pornographic thing, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm having some show so far. Me, three and a half minutes in, I better get me act together. Did you take speed before you came on? No, I didn't. I swear to God. Not a word of a lie. No, where was I? Yeah, so you can... We Last week, we, we only had one lady caller. So let's make it ladies' night. Do get in touch if you haven't done before. I'll be taking your calls in around about a half an hour thereabouts. And 
I'm genuinely looking forward to hearing from you. Let's kick off then with a bit more from, well, from the, the Wunderkind. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Yeah, a lot of talk today about the footage of the German police, the Polizei, arresting Greta Thunberg and carrying her away. It has been accused of fakery and it has been accused of looking fishy because it's all very cordial, jovial even. The the Polizei are laughing with Greta. She went to protest the expansion of a coal mine in Germany. Greta and friends were there to offer their protests to say this shouldn't be happening because we're in the middle of a mass extinction. But you know, she's so famous, is Greta Thunberg. It's possible they were being genuinely friendly and saying, look, we, we've got to take you out of here. We don't like it, but we've got to do it. I just don't know. I always leave room for the... For the... I know, I know. I leave room for the official version of events. You've got to leave some room for it. Like, unless somebody shows me a little bit of footage of somebody saying action, it's not definitive proof that it is a fake, that it's a setup. They're not that clumsy, are they? But maybe they are. Maybe they are. Like I said, I leave room for all the possibilities. She's a celebrity, I suppose, Greta Thunberg, sadly. Anyway, Ireland... Ireland is a basket case, my country, the country of my birth. Morning Ireland is an RTE Radio 1 morning news programme. I suppose the equivalent on the BBC would be Radio 4's Today Show. I've got some clips from this morning's Morning Ireland on RTE you might be interested in. Firstly, the Kraken variant. You must be afraid, be also ever Afraid. Morning Ireland, RTE Radio 1. Let's have a listen. How many of you have had your second COVID-19 booster vaccine? It not me. Not me. It was announced in the days after Christmas that it was available to everyone over the age of 18. Well, according to the HSE, only 31% of us across all age groups have got it, which is nowhere near enough to provide widespread protection against the COVID-19 virus. It should be at least 75% to achieve that. Among healthcare workers, the uptake is just 25%. Well, Kian McCormick has the story and he joins us this morning. So, Kian, the HSE are concerned about this. Wait till you hear Kian McCormick. There's more life in Father Stone from entertaining Father Stone on Father Ted. Listen to Kian McCormick. Yeah, it is. It's concerned because the uptake of that second booster is way behind where it should be. And overall, just as you were saying there, it's at 31% of the 4.9 million people eligible for vaccines. And it should be at a level of 3.7 million people or 75% to get better public health protection and trends in younger age groups as well they're not good either so for example the second booster was opened up to 18 to 49 year olds about three weeks ago 
76,000 of those people have taken up the second booster in that period. But that figure should be closer to 210,000 people. So it's a concern for the HSE. Here's Eileen Whelan, the HSE's national lead for the COVID-19 vaccine programme. <laughs> we'll hear Eileen Whelan in a moment. I love that guy, Keen McCormick. Yeah, well, they're a bit concerned about the uptake of the variant and the booster and they have to get the numbers up to 3%. Every single question you ask Keane. Film any good, Keane? Yeah, it was all right, yeah. The match last night, what was it like? Yeah, it was all right, yeah. This is an infomercial dressed up as a news bulletin. Shame on the Irish national broadcaster, RTE. He mentioned the HSE national lead, Eileen Whelan. Let's hear Eileen Whelan about the concerns about the youngsters not taking their second COVID booster. So at the minute, only 76,000 people in the 18 to 49 year. I love it. I love it. At the minute. At the minute. At so the minute. at the minute, only 76,000 people in the 18 to 49 year age group have come forward for their vaccine. 76,000 agents. But where should it be at? In line with the public health recommendations, 75%, a minimum of 75% of people should be getting their vaccines. How many is that per week? Per week, you would want at minimum 70,000 people to be getting their vaccine, and that would be over uh, probably a 15-week programme. So how many is that per hour? Could you break it down for us and tell us how many vaccines would that be per minute? And then would you bring it down to the seconds for me? You're at about one third of the level where you should be. Exactly, we're at about one third and in the ideal world you'd like to be running that programme even over a 10 to 12 week programme so you'd like to be seeing um, up to 100,000 people coming forward. Yeah, it's an infomercial for Big Pharma. Um, This age group, this particular age group is important, says Eileen Whelan. You know, this age group, they played a huge role in protecting the more vulnerable people in society during the early stages of COVID. But they didn't. How, How did they do that? By staying in? By by not going to work? Is that what she means? Because the, she must mean that because we know that the jabs didn't prevent anyone from passing anything on. So she's saying this particular age group, they really looked after older people because, well, they committed financial suicide and employment suicide and wrecked their futures, I think is what she means. Young people socialise and mix a lot. So we do need uh, that age group to play their part now and to come forward and take their vaccine. If they don't, what are we facing? What are we facing if they don't, says Keane? What are we facing? So we know that there are new variants. Um, public health have announced that XBB 1.5 is um, the prevalent variant. In that's the Kraken variant. In the States at the minute. We know that that's a highly transmissible variant. So usually it would take some weeks or some months for that variant to hit Europe and then to hit Ireland. So we have a... Co- Listen to this horse shit. This went out on national radio this morning in Ireland. This undiluted shit went out and egged along is this Eileen Whelan by the hapless Cian McCormick. Dreadful stuff, this. Younger people are in no danger whatsoever from COVID or any of its variants. They're just not. It's, it's as simple as that. And they have no need whatsoever to be getting a second booster, which equates to a fourth jab. This crazy bastard is saying that 18 to 49 year olds need to have a force job. 75% of them to protect society. This rotten bitch. And the other, the, the goon interviewing her. Yeah, yeah. And how many of those by, uh, will you have to do by the day and by the hour? And 
It's amazing what's happened to the media, isn't it? Isn't it really? A couple of weeks now to prepare and to get ahead of the, the, the new variant that's coming. But do you get the new variant coming across the Atlantic? Get ahead on the new variant with the second booster. Is it designed to put a defensive mechanism in place in terms of the immune system? Now, that's kind of nearly a good question from Cian McCormick there. The second booster... How would how could it possibly be that the booster would be any good against the new variant? Surely the new variant would be able to get around the booster, considering that the booster was developed for another jab. Yes, everybody who's receiving a second booster is now receiving the new adapted vaccine. And uh, the adapted vaccine. Have they adapted it for the Kraken variant so quickly? How did they do that so quickly? Is your question if you're a journalist. And the adapted vaccine provides broader protection than the original vaccine. This is just bollocks, isn't it? Isn't it just utter bollocks? Wow. Wow. The age group not remotely threatened by COVID. It got worse, right? So this is Morning Ireland. As I said, the equivalent programme here in Blighty is Radio Force Today programme. It's the flagship morning news programme in Ireland. Well, for the national broadcaster, but in the Irish media generally. We used to listen to it all the time when preparing our radio shows at WLR in Waterford. Right. On the very same programme. You're not going to believe it. It must have been brought to us this morning by Pfizer, Moderna and by AstraZeneca. You think they'd just be honest enough to say that. Morning Ireland this morning is brought to you by Pfizer, by Moderna and AstraZeneca. Listen to this piss which uh, came hot on the heels of the story you just heard. Listen now. 28 minutes past seven. New research from Trinity College Dublin suggests that some COVID-19 vaccines may protect people from infections other than COVID. What? What was that again? That the... Second vaccines for COVID might protect you against other infections that are not COVID? At 28 minutes past seven. New research from Trinity College Dublin suggests that some COVID-19 vaccines may protect people from infections other than COVID. Tell us more then. Tell us more. Researchers examined the impact on people who had been given the AstraZeneca vaccine and found that when they were exposed to different bacteria, they had a better immune response than normal. Ah, so they looked at people who had the AstraZeneca vaccine (laughs) and found that when they were exposed to non-COVID pathogens, they had a better response than normal. Right. Well, if they had the AstraZeneca vaccine, shouldn't their... Shouldn't, shouldn't they be urgently checking their hearts? Shouldn't they be looking for inflammation? As a lot of countries have decided to discontinue the AstraZeneca jab because of the damage it was doing. No, we decided to see if you had the AstraZeneca jab, would it help protect you against other conditions other than COVID? This is some bullshit now, listen. We're joined this morning by Dr. Shari Bazdeo, Assistant Professor in Clinical Medicine at Trinity College. Shari Bazdeo from Trinity College. She's the lead author of the research which was funded by the Health Research Board and Science Foundation Ireland. The Health Research Board and Science Foundation Ireland, which you will not be surprised to learn 
takes money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And, and published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation. Dr. Which also takes money from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Dr. Basdeo, you're very welcome to Morning Ireland. Um, and in terms of the practical work involved in this research, you took the people's blood before and after they got the vaccine and then what, you exposed them to a particular bacteria? I don't believe this. This is bullshit. What this woman Basdeo is going to claim is that she had the, the great idea. She had the 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 light bulb go off over her head when they released the AstraZeneca vaccine. This bint who you are about to hear wants us to believe that she had a brainwave. Do you know what I'll do now? Do you know what I'll do now? I'll take some blood from people who are going to have the AstraZeneca vaccine and then I will take some blood after they've had it and then two years down the road I'll check that I'll check to see if having had the AstraZeneca jab if well it uh, actually works against other conditions other than COVID. I smell bullshit dear listener I don't know about you. We should be hearing. Dr. Sherry Basdeo. That's right, Audrey, yes. That's right. Um, so what we did, what my very talented PhD student, she drew, drew their blood before they were vaccinated. And Her very talented PhD students did it. Took their blood before vaccination. And two weeks, two, two months and three months post their first injections. And what we saw was the innate part of their immune response. So that this is the immune response that people um, generally examining vaccination aren't that interested in uh, because generally the focus is on antibody responses and T-cell responses that we've all heard about. But my PhD student was interested in the innate um, immune response, which is the early cells that can respond within minutes to an infection. And what we see there is that the AstraZeneca vaccine is able to boost and promote innate immune responses um, in people for up to three months post their first vaccination. So these responses will give you protection against unrelated infections such as bacterial infections that aren't COVID-19. Unrelated infections such as bacterial infections. Wow. Like what? Like, give us an example. The presenter should say, but she's useless to another wench. And how long does that protection last? No, you bint. No. What school of journalism did you go to? No, no. Which infections exactly? Has this been peer-reviewed, Dr. Basdeo? Has it? This outlandish claim. Has it been peer-reviewed, like? Or are you just making it up on the hoof? On the stump, as it were? Yeah, well, we found, uh it has to be lies, right? I can't prove it's a lie, but it must be bullshit, this. So our evidence suggests that definitely up to... Our evidence suggests... Two months and some evidence up as far as three months. That you might have protection against things other than COVID for two months or maybe even three months. This infomercial has been brought to you by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This is absolute piss, this, isn't it? I mean, this is piss. This is national radio. Next week, it'll be, it will, next week it'll be, new research has shown incredibly that the COVID-19 vaccines have been found to reverse male pattern baldness in some men over six feet tall and who have a French partner. That's incredible, Cherie. Would you say that again? That's incredible. Yes, well, we found in this study that was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and it's very exciting, Miriam, that some baldy bollocks who are over a certain height, six feet in fact, and are cohabiting with French women, showed some hair regrowth just above the ears for two and sometimes up to three months. And this is after they had the AstraZeneca jab. Why did you do the research there, doctor? Well, I was thinking when they brought out these jabs, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what the impact of these jabs will be on baldy bollockses who cohabit with French women and live in the northwest of England. I just thought I'd do that. So I took some blood from some of these baldy bollockses with French women 
on their arms and I stored that blood until after they have had their jab. Then I took blood again and we found, yes, it's having some impact on the baldies. I mean, why not? Like, you can make it up, you can say anything you want. This is the Richie Allen Show broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk. Do not forget, don't dare forget that in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes I'll be taking your telephone calls. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, we found an incredible response in bold men over six feet tall, some hair regrowth kind of a thing. Mad stuff, huh? Mad stuff, 20 minutes past the hour. Let's stay briefly with uh, COVID and all of that jazz. Uh, GB News had a virologist and a pathologist on to talk about lessons learned from COVID, if any. Uh, The virologist is Dr. Chris Smith. The pathologist is Dr. Ryan Cole. Let's hear Ryan Cole first, then on lessons learned. I was surprised that around the world, the pandemic plans were all very similar. We had a pandemic plan many years ago in the early 2000s. And we didn't follow anything that was written therein around the world. Yeah, that's right. We disregarded the long-standing plan for pandemics. And all of a sudden, the entire world was doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was shocking that in lockstep around the world, everybody followed that same pattern. And we threw all logic, all medicine, as you mentioned, medical ethics out the window. And we threw what we had away. And it didn't make any sense, Mm. neither there nor here. So... Chris, with the passage of time now, do you think that was the right course of action to, to change what was already written down as our, our pandemic response and, for instance, quarantining the unwell as opposed to uh, quarantining the healthy? Dr Chris Smith, virologist, was a, an absolute madman for the lockdowns. He loved the lockdowns. Well, any regrets, Chris? The problem is that every challenge is a new one. And if we try to view the world as something that you have a set of guidelines that behave like tram lines and you relentlessly follow them without being dynamic in your thinking, then you're also equally setting yourself up for a bruising. So you have to appraise every single situation on the basis of how does it possibly fit with what we do know, but what are the important things we don't know, and then be prepared to change your mind. And the public and the people who are being asked to comply with the various measures also have to understand that judgments may change, viewpoints may change, and therefore rules, regulations, and approaches may change. And the one thing we mustn't do is be too rigid in our thinking that this is the way we always do it because that's the way we've always done it. Therefore, we have to do that again because that's exactly how mistakes are made. So we've got to keep an open mind about the best way to manage these things and confront everything based on the facts and the evidence and what we think is the best way forward based on evidence from the past but with a view to the future. And the pathologist, Dr Ryan Cole? I think, as was brought up, one has to be nimble, but during these three years, nobody was nimble. Everybody was rigid. We didn't adapt to what was happening. The data came out very early from Stanford and Dr. Ioannidis that the infection fatality rate, case fatality rate, was actually far lower and and akin to a flu. So this construct of, well, we need to be nimble and adapt, well, why didn't we? And why did we silence the voices that had the science, those of us who have a background in immunology, virology, pathology, Dr. Lindley, feet on the street, seeing what was happening.
happening. We knew that this wasn't as bad as it was painted to be, so we should have adapted and been nimble. And I like to joke that all doctors and scientists agree when you censor the ones who don't. So not having that dialogue led to all these draconian measures that were completely unnecessary. Yes, indeed. It is 23 and one half minutes past the hour. Back in 60 seconds. I am going to be at Comedy Podcast Live from the 27th to the 29th of January at the Kegworth Hotel in Derby. It'll be me and a bunch of other brilliant free speakers who think what they want to think, say what they think, and really don't give two what anyone else has got to say about it. So do come along and join us. Phil Zimmerman will be there, Andrew Lawrence, Alistair Williams, Right Said Fred. I can promise you a few things. You will laugh, you will feel better, and you will realise that you're not alone. So do grab your tickets, comedypodcastlive.com. And I very much look forward to spending time with you there. Hi there, it's Eamon here from ImmunX365, and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter, and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the Northern Hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I am really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of ImmunX365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex 365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. 25 minutes past the hour, BBC Breakfast had a GP on this morning. They were talking about why colds and coughs are persisting, why they're a bit worse. Why are they lingering? Isn't that an interesting question, dear listener? It was posed by a BBC presenter to Dr Helen Foster. Here she is. What is it? What's happening then? There's lots of speculation about, isn't there, about you know whether these coughs are lasting longer or whether it's a rec- you know recurring infections. And the vaccines? I don't think anybody really knows, but you know it certainly seems possible that it, we're picking up one after the other. But is it because we were all inside for so long and wearing mm. masks for so long and keeping our distance? Is it some kind of like a, a reaction to that time, do you think? I think if we look at the science behind it, it's a possibility that we've just lost our resilience to infections because whenever we are out and about doing our normal day-to-day business, our immunity is constantly running that script in the background, meeting bacteria, meeting viruses. You might not even realise that. You might not even be ill with it, but it's constantly building that resilience and that ability to fight off infection and perhaps some of us have lost that because we weren't mixing as much as we were but I think it it is all speculation Um, I think the thing for me is that I I do worry that because of all the coughs going about and people saying you know you're just picking up a cough after a cough I think we have to be really careful that we don't miss people who have a cough for another reason so that's a good point it is a very good point but then during the the Covid thing you shut down the NHS for the, the best part of a year and a half and, well, prevented people from being screened for very serious health conditions. So, yes, it's right that if a cough persists, you should get a chest X-ray and maybe a scan, right? No doubt about that. But why so reluctant to, to point out that, well, what, what, is, what is hugely different this winter and even last winter? But what is, what is so obviously different? The answer is you've been jabbing people with an mRNA jab with no long-term safety data. 
And some learned men and women predicted back in very late 2020 when they started rolling these jabs out that the jabbed would find themselves becoming more and more ill each winter as winters went on. That is, of course, if they continued to take these jabs. And many people have had three and many people have even had four of these jabs in this country. I'll spare you any more of uh, Dr. Helen Foster. This made me laugh. You know that the, you know, this Gender Recognition Act in Scotland, which was passed by the Scottish government and Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, was delighted about this, you know, which lowered the age to 16, that somebody could self-identify. It took the medical process out of it completely. And women said, this isn't good. Women are at risk. You know, if men can so easily identify as women, what about women's spaces and all of that? I did hear a bit of um, an amusing exchange this morning between Talk TV or Talk Radio's Julia Hartley Brewer and a a podcast host called Ines. And it's about uh, being born in the wrong body and it's about safe spaces for women and women in prison. This is interesting. No one is born in the wrong body. You're born a man, you're born a woman. A tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people are born non-binary. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about trans. Someone believing well, they're it's, born... It's, 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 it's a to, different thing. Sorry to, interrupt, sorry to interrupt you, Julia, but it's interesting that you're citing biological facts from a widely discredited metaphysical view of the human body we know that the human body isn't just our physical organs we know that we have a complex relationship with our mental phenomena you study philosophy think back to your metaphysics lessons when you're learning about this Um, there is is nothing controversial for 95 percent of people in this country but i would think 99 percent if they really had to be pushed on it about whether or not you're being male or female is a biological fact and is a physical fact so people are born what they are and they remain that for their whole life you can cut things off you can do other things you can take as many drugs as you want you will remain biologically what you are from the day you were born you're not assigned sex your sex is what you are born and what you are created as okay? and as i said you're right, citing okay. biological not, facts based on a discredited it's not discredited darling it's it's, it's got, biological truth very complex this is where we start mental from phenomena if we can't physical organs if we can't if, if, even start the very, from the very biological conversation we're having just now point? is exchanging ideas, it's mental phenomena and the relationship we have with our physical organs is complex. Okay. If you can't accept that, you're denying reality. Yes, I'm and I'm probably transphobic that. for it as well. I'm not denying reality. That that, is that's the reality. what I said to you. But how you're, you you're feel, biological how you feel inside is completely different from the reality of your biological body and your chromosomes. Well, how, how do you explain how do you explain it pain? Is, how do you explain the sensory experience that we experience with pain, which at Ennis, times falsely experiences Ennis, what, what's Ennis, wrong with our body? Ennis, we've got three minutes left. Can we talk about the actual subject at hand? Okay. Mm, they get on then to safe spaces for women. Let's hear it. Why aren't we having the conversation that we're feared that a male pervert might be waiting there in the toilet? Why are we? It's actually happened. That's why. why? But, but it's actually if you happening. Look at the it's happening in, in places prisons. Like, it's happening in women's safe spaces. Look at day. Ireland. Look at Ireland, who have had the self ID bill for seven years. They've never had to revoke someone's gender significant because it's never happened. The evidence it's is happening against you. I'm right sorry. now. There have been court cases about it. There are ongoing cases. Right this is the moral panic thing, isn't it? That by allowing men to identify as women and by granting them that status in the law saying, yes, we accept you are female in the law that it is going to open up all, all manner. It's going, to, it's going to create a huge problem for women that, you, you know, women might be visited by a vulnerable woman at home, might be visited by a health visitor 
and it's a trans woman. Not a woman, but a trans woman. Um, we've heard rape crisis centres, we've heard prisons. That's the moral panic argument, that, that, that this would happen. There are those who are very much like me and you, they don't believe in trans women, they don't believe that a man can be a woman, but they do think this is not the hill to die on, this whole claim that, you know, if we allow this, women are going to be attacked in prisons, they're going to be attacked elsewhere, because there's no real evidence that this is going to happen. It has happened, as Julia Hartley Brewer points out, but it might be, I'm not making this argument now, I'm being, I'm doing my my devil's advocate thing here but has it happened enough for it to be a real thing kind of a thing have a listen right now going through the courts where this has happened you can't deny that reality or are you denying every reality well of course it's going to the courts because prisons take each case case by case people men, men male sexual predators behind bars in male prisons have self-identified as women got themselves transferred to women's prisons and have sexually assaulted women that's a fact and, and there's and there's nothing to suggest that we can't clamp down on it, but to al- to further alienate a community not allowing which them are in the already going through significant mental. But well, you're you're not letting me speak. You're you're <laughs> not letting me speak at all. To impose significant mental turmoil and emotional strain on an already alienated community for why administrative that, why issues does that is a ludicrous is a ludicrous argument, Julia. Why a, she, she's another piss poor presenter, Brewer. Really, she's shrill and hysterical. There's a good conversation to be had with that gentleman. In fact, if you have even a modicum of of talent as a presenter, it's a good conversation, a calm, rational one. Tell us about the marginalisation. Tell us about why these people are vulnerable. And then shut up and let him answer. And then attempt, after he's had his say, to dismantle his argument. Why are they vulnerable? Because Why? Because people don't believe they're women. But they're not women. They're fantasists. There are people dealing with gender dysphoria. Let's be kind to people like that. But let's not, you know, rip up laws and let's not create laws that are unnecessary. Let's not pander to people. Let's not allow people to do whatever they want to do, you know, based on their fantasies about who they are. Let's not do that. Good conversation to be had, but they never go down that road. Tell us why you think these people are so vulnerable. Why are they so marginalised? Because the answer is, they're not really. Very good conversation about this with Stuart Waite and PhD the other day, didn't I? Monday's programme, I think. The time is 26 minutes to the top of the hour. It's uh, Wednesday's programme, the 18th of January 2023. I'm your BBG. I will be taking your telephone calls and your Skypes in a few minutes' time. If you want to, to read the numbers... Go to richieallen.co.uk. They're also posted on the Richie Allen Show Facebook page. But in case you can't do either of those... It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And as I said, if you phoned me recently, either last week or even be- be- before that, Please don't try to get through today. Let's hear some ladies today, please. And if you've never contacted the programme, do get in touch with me and have a chat. I will ask you, I didn't ask you last time, didn't think I needed to, but I'm going to ask you this time. I don't want life stories. 
big long stories. If if something has happened to you that is worth sharing and it's a detailed thing, just get through to me via the website, via the contact form, and I'll get back to you. But I'd like to keep it short and sharp. Let's get some opinions out there on anything you like. But I'm sure we'll be talking about, I don't know, about jab injuries. I'm sure that'll come up. I'm sure climate change might come up. Maybe it won't come up. I don't know. It's not for me to be telling you what we should and shouldn't be talking about. It's your call. The time now is 25, well, it's 24 and a half minutes to the top of the air. You can reach out to me. I'll be taking your calls after this from the Blues Brothers soundtrack. It's Sweet Home Chicago on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. It's me, Richie Allen. And it goes on for another ten, no it doesn't, five minutes. It's uh, Sweet sweet Home Chicago, the Blues Brothers, from the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Now I know Steve was trying to get on. Steve, I'm going to get you on, son, because you tried to get on last week and you didn't. So we'll get you in a few minutes, Steve. It's uh, to the mobile phone's first caller. Welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with, please? Hello, it's Eva. Is it Eva? Eva. Evie? Yeah. Uh, Evie, it's lovely to speak with you. W- where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from Mexico. Fantastic. Great to have you on, Evie. What would you like to say? Welcome. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to, like, speak about stuff I've done with my dad, about, like, COVID and stuff. Absolutely, Evie. Go ahead. Tell us about your dad. Um... Well, me and my dad have been going to, like, anti-fracking camps and stuff like that since I was four, um, and I'm now 12. Well, you're the youngest caller we've ever had on the programme anyway, Evie. You get that record. I love that. So you've been going to anti-fracking camps. Presumably a lot of that was up here in the northwest, was it? Yeah. And that would have been in the last probably five, six, seven, ten years, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, look, the floor is yours. Tell t- tell us more then. Tell us more about this. Um, well, I've been making my own uh, white rose photo and um, stickers. Lovely. Because um, I used to um, make them and I did this one where it was like um, the drama masks um, and it was a face covered with a mask that showed it was healthy and behind it, it had like a bunch of COVID vaccines in it. Brilliant. Uh, and who, who did you? Who, what did you do with those? Um, I haven't been able to like print them on stickers yet because I ain't I ain't got a printer. So you have to get a printer before you can do that. Now you yeah. me- you mentioned you were going to talk about COVID with with in, in relation to your dad. So this is what you're doing then, Evie. You're trying to make people aware that the vaccines are dangerous. Um. Yeah. Because I've got like a bunch of friends at school and they all like use the stickers that I get and then they stick them around places as well. So your friends at school, they're thinking like you, they understand that there is a problem. Yeah. Hey, tell me about school, Evie. During the last couple of years, did you, did your school get, get into all, you know, all of that asking students to wear masks and social distancing? Did you have to do that? Um. Yeah. Actually, one of my teachers, they, um, I told them I'm exempt and I'm not allowed to wear a mask and they made me wear a mask. I told them, call my mum up and I promise you they will not let me wear a mask. And she told me she called up my mum and my mum said I was allowed to wear it. 
And I, I knew as soon as she said that, that she was lying. And I went home to my mum and I told her that she said that she called her up and she didn't. And my mum called her up and she started screaming at her. That was pretty sneaky of the teacher, eh? So she she rings mm-hmm. mum up. Mum says she's exempt. She shouldn't be wearing the mask. Evie shouldn't wear it. And mm-hmm. the, te- the teacher lied and said, mum said that you have to wear that mask. Oh, no, she didn't call her up at all. Oh, no, she never called her. Of course she didn't call her. What's wrong no. with me? Yeah, she, of course she didn't call her. So so, so from that day on, then, you didn't wear the mask, presumably? No. But your, but your, 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 your mates did, your friends did in, in school, right? Um, most of my friends aren't allowed to wear it anyway because most of my friends have got asthma, so... And can I, did, did you have... To, did you have to do any of those home lessons, Evie? Because I, I remember reading about this when they closed schools, they they kind of resorted to online learning. Did you have to do any of that remote learning? Um, yeah, I had to do it on Monday and Tuesday, but it were only when I was at primary. And my primary were actually quite good because they still let us come to school if we needed to. Right. I'm fascinated to know, right, you have obviously got your head screwed on and obviously this is down to your parents. They've got a big part to play here. What was the reaction to you? You know, you're standing up against lockdowns. You're standing up against the masks. I mean, the teachers must have thought you were a bit strange. What was? The, I mean, did you get any reaction from people? Did anybody say um, anything? Well, I had a bunch of, um, like white rose stickers in my pocket and they all fell out and I quickly <laughs> stood on ones that were like facing up and my teacher were like staring at me like what are you doing yeah because I dropped all the things and they saw them all and they wanted to know what what it was about so did you tell them what it was about that you were trying to raise awareness about no, the I told, you... no I told them to mind the business <laughs> fantastic this Evie is on the line Evie let me um let me let me take this in kind of a slightly different uh, direction, not not in a slightly different direction. Let let let's stay with school for a minute. Actually, so you're going to school now, right? And so you've got opinions about these things that are not shared by, I suppose, about about not not shared by everybody. But um, you just get by, right? You just go to school and carry on, and and that's it. Yeah, I'm loving this, Evie. I'm I'm absolutely loving this. And at weekends, then you're going to protest. You're you're taking out these stickers, or that's the plan. Or you will do when you get a printer, right? Yeah. Um. I was gonna like use my mum's printer, but apparently I'm not allowed to. So um, Tell, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Is mum listening to this? Mum, let Evie use the printer. We'll we'll give her a few bob <laughs> for some ink. And uh, I mean, it's for it's 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 for a good cause. So, yeah. I mean, so. I've never spoken to somebody as young as you about these subjects. I'm kind of stumped, really, in terms of what, 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 what else I can say to you, really. But you obviously are worried about these vaccines, right? And I, suppo- yeah. I suppose you're worried that some of your friends... Now, you've said to me that your, your friends are, are kind of clued up, but, but not all of your classmates will be clued up, um, Evie. Like, some of them will, yeah. will have had these jabs, and th- th- does that worry you? Yeah, um, I've got a friend called Callum, and he um, it was that like flu jab day, and he went to go get his flu jab, and I looked at him, I said, why would you get that? And he just stared at me like, what are you on about? Of course right. I'd get it, I don't want flu. I'm like, you're not going to get flu, I've never had a jab, and I've 
been fine. Now, has anybody ever said to you, hang on, Evie, you're only 12 and you're just out of primary school. What the hell do you know about any of this stuff? <laughs> yeah. What do you say? Um, well, I tell them that it's my choice and that if I don't want to get it, I don't have to get it. And this person at school called Chloe, she used to always get me in trouble. And this one time I didn't get the flu vaccine up my nose. And I told her, I don't have to get it. Why, why, do you, why are you telling me to get it? And she said, well, you have to get it. I'm like, no, you don't. What are you on about? You don't have to. Of course you don't have to get it. Yeah, I read that. I read that for children. I'm not patronising you now, by the way. But the, the child flu jab isn't a jab. It's the nasal thing, isn't it? It's what, basically yeah. what you described there. Well, the funny thing about that is, I've, even in the mainstream newspapers, Evie, I've read in The Guardian, I've read in The Telegraph, that the... The flu jab very rarely works because they make it, and when they make it, they take a guess, don't they, at which flu it's going to be, and they get it wrong most of the time. My, my dad calls it nasal napalm. N- nasal napalm, is that what he calls it? Yeah. Fantas- that's dad in the background, is it? Say hi to dad yeah. for us. Hi dad. Hope you're well. I, I, so I don't have to ask you, did you get permission? I should have asked you at the very beginning. You see, it's been so long, and don't think I'm patronising you now. I'm not doing mm. that. But it's been so long since I spoke to somebody as young as yourself that I, I've lost all practice with it. I should have asked you, have you had permission to call in? But you obviously have had. So, um, wow, Evie, you're out there as, a, as an activist trying to raise awareness of these things. I'm kind of proud of you, to be honest. It gives me a bit of hope, you know? Hmm. And you're, con- I don't mean converting, but you're you're helping your friends to be, co- and not just your friends, but other, I don't want to say children, you don't sound like a child to me, but but, but other folks, you're helping them. What are you doing? You're kind of putting this information in front of them, are you? Saying, look, there, yeah. is, there is another answer. Yeah, um, when I'm walking to school, I usually walk on my own because I'm too busy sticking stickers around outside <laughs> of school. I love this. So where do you put the stickers then? On on lampposts and bus shelters and stuff, is it? Yeah, there's a bus stop right outside of school for like people that get the bus and I always stick it on there and on like bins and stuff. Fantastic. Somebody's going to send me a few bob, I know this. Somebody's going yeah. to send me a few bob. Hang on, hang on while I do this. This is great radio. This is like the radio I used to listen to when I was a kid. I'm going to take a note of your mobile phone number, right? Am I allowed to do that? Do you mind if I write it down? I'm not going to give it yeah. to anybody. I'm not, you, can, I'm go- you can if you want, but it's my mum's number. Oh, it's your mum's. Right, I'll tell you why I'm going to do that. Because um, somebody, I, I, we have some generous listeners. Somebody is going to send me a couple of bob um, to get you a printer. I know this is going to happen. I know I'm going to look at the bank account for the show tomorrow. I'm going to see something and it's going to say printer. So I'm just writing down the number in case I lose it. So bear with me a moment. This is mum's number. Yeah, What's mum's first name? Sam. Sam. Oh, yeah, Sam. So I've got it. Okay. Uh, And then, and the last number is seven. Lovely, I've got that. So somebody's going to reach out because they'll they'll have been so charmed and so thrilled by listening to you, they'll want to get you a printer. So we'll we'll, we'll try and do that, Evie. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we we move on? I'm I'm really glad to have met you, to be honest. Um, I think that's all I've got to say. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Thank your mum and your dad for um, giving you permission to call in and I've got your number. Somebody's going to send us a, a printer and I'm going to make sure it gets to you. Okay? Okay. Thanks, Evie. Bye for now. 
How cool, how cool was Evie, eh? Fantastic stuff. Uh, Steve was trying to get on, so if somebody wants to um, send a printer, not even the funds, if somebody reaches out to me through the website and says, Richie, I've got a printer, we can send to Evie. You don't even have to send funds for it. We'll get her a printer, and uh, off she'll go. Um, the contact details again, very briefly, before we say hi to Steve. It's your call, Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you're familiar with me, Steve James, slightly. I am. Yeah, I, I know you from social media. And about six or eight months ago, you came on the program, Steve. So it's good to see you again, pal. That was a pretty yeah. cool call from Evie just before you came. Well, yeah, she's a she's a very brave twelve year old. Love it. Uh, I've got, and she obviously comes from a, a strong minded family as well. No doubt yeah. about that, Steve. Welcome, buddy. What would you like to say? Then I'm getting rammed with calls today, so crack on, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to touch on anything serious. There's too much seriousness about at the moment, and we. All need a sense of humor, do we not? You know, I mean, I know you inject a little humor into your shows, a bit of Irish humor, and it, it's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I always say, if you know, if they take, if, if any system takes two things off you, one is your sense of humor and your ability to reason as an individual, then you're ninety-five percent defeated. You know, yeah. so you, you, it's important to keep those two things I think. I get despondent uh, yeah. Steve, if if I don't find the humour in it I end up getting despondent and disheartened and then I kind of go into my shell. I have to find it funny, some of it anyway as as crazy as it is and as dangerous as it is for people, Other otherwise it becomes unbearable so yeah, it's a coping mechanism mm-hmm. as well I think. Yeah, yeah well there's, there's two things uh, you're a little bit like me you know with your Sunday morning melodies, you know, it's humour and music. That's that's kind of an outlet, you know, for all the seriousness of what's going on at the moment. Um, and uh, th- there's, there's lots of subjects I would like to chat on, you know. Um, but in general, social media, you know, and Twitter at the moment. I mean, I'm suspended off Twitter. I mean, I know you were for what 18 months yeah and then you were reinstated but is this is this have you been suspended post the elon musk takeover or before that yeah 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 well i've i've been suspended off twitter more times than bill um bill clinton went to lolita island i think so so about um, 28 times then so so yeah. so basically and what <laughs> what 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 are we talking about sharing information about the vaccines and stuff like that or something a bit naughtier steve no well it's to do with the mainstream trolls you know the mainstream twitter trolls i mean they have a purpose now i'm not going to go into why they um they support the mainstream. It might be to do with the jobs, you know, the securing their futures by uh, support everything. And it's not just the pro-vaccine or the pro-jabs. Um, it's uh, pro-Ukraine, pro-EU, everything that that comes from the the higher up, the higher echelons, you know. Because, well, that I mean, was, we um, know. But that was us, Steve. That was everybody. 
uh, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I bump into people and they get irate about they, they get irate about mm-hmm. their family and their yeah. friends. And I remind them, this was you before you had your epiphany. This was you. You were getting your information from the BBC, from the Guardian, from the Telegraph or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you never had any reason to doubt it. So when the BBC told people back in 2003 that Saddam Hussein was a madman and he might have had something to do with September the 11th, people didn't have any reason not to believe that. And, and yeah. I, I always keep this at the back of my mind. You know, it's, it's and compartmentalisation, like when you talk about the organisations, you know, I think yeah. compartmentalisation is another thing that we don't often, you know, kind of talk about oh, or yeah, consider. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, everything is, you know, people, when, when you're accused of being a conspiracy theorist or spreading disinformation, we know all about Mariana Spring, you know, you've mentioned her a few times on your programme, um, and she has links, she has links on Twitter and social media with these, I can't, I mean, how can we describe these Twitter trolls? Well, they're psychotic, basically. They're obsessive psychotics. A lot of them are not human, Steve. I, well, I, I'm well, convinced yeah, I'm, of this. I mean, I shouldn't mention this, but I'm, I've had the police round for malicious communications online. Right, don't get into too much details, right, particularly if this is ongoing. But can you give us an idea as to what the subject was? Um, well, briefly, um, I stepped in to defend a friend of mine who was being targeted. Can you, and, can you tell um, us about what? Like, was it about the vaccines? Was it the transition? Yeah, yeah, it, was, right. it was to do with that and it was to do with the NHS. It was to do, uh, you're probably familiar with Heart Group. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, the gentleman was a member of Hart, and Hart is an organisation which is being heavily targeted um, through social media and off of social media. So it was to do with that. But, I mean, it's nothing I can't deal. No, with. fair enough. But but hang on, I don't want to look. It's obviously if it's a legal thing and it's ongoing, there's you are limited. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, I can't, but I can't but, but I'm, names. I'm I mean, I'm, I know, I know. I'm glad you mentioned it. I know that some people will be listening to this, you know, because so, so, I'm, I'm a kind, on Twitter... Steve, let me, let, me, let me ask you, because I've got so many calls, mate, I've got to move yeah. on. Let me ask you, let me ask you. You're telling us that the old bill knocked on the door and yeah, to, yeah. to challenge you about something you tweeted. Yeah, yeah. Right, don't yeah. say any more than that. Let me ask <laughs> you a question. In the tweet, did you threaten anybody physically? No, I, no, I never. So you I didn't, and, and I, I expected you to say no to that. See, this is a, this is a terrifying development where the yeah. police believe that they have the right, effectively, to go around and knock on someone's door because of something they said in an argument on Twitter, which wasn't a threat or wasn't yeah. doxing or any of that. I'm, I'm astonished. And this is ongoing, but you say you, you can handle it. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not a problem to me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully um, informed on my rights, so, um, and I know I've not broken the law. I don't threaten anybody online. It's, it's not clever. It's no. not brave. It's childish. It's childish, but you're right to, to, to bring this up. It's something I say to people all the time. Don't lose the rag. Don't tweet when you've yeah. had a few drinks. Don't tweet <laughs> when you're angry, because right, if you do... Just, 
Yeah. Yeah, because if you do, if you if you jump in there and say anything that can be remotely construed as inciting violence, you're you're going to be in trouble. Steve, I'm getting dozens of calls, pal. I'm going to move on. Good to hear from you, Steve, and good luck with that legal uh, thing. You take care. You uh, and get Caroline on. She's got a good French radio voice. She'll be she'll be doing a podcast for us real soon. I can't wait, Steve. Thanks very much, Steve, on the line. Imagine that the old Bill. I laugh because, again, if you don't laugh, you know, if he hasn't threatened anyone uh, or incited anything against anyone, the the idea that the old Bill would just rock up, you know. Matt is on the line. Hi, Matt. Hello, Richie. Can you hear me? Uh, Loud and clear, mate. It's been a a long time. How are you? I think I'm very well, thanks. I'll be trying to be as quick as possible. Go ahead, Matt. We last spoke, I was in uh, Zanzibar two years ago. Yes, Matt is a teacher, dear listener. And Indeed. It, and here he and, is. Uh, Two years ago, was it since you spoke to us from Zanzibar? It was. And I was saying that it was all fine then, but I was a bit worried that the World Economic Forum and the, the global forces had got its tentacles into the place. Because if you remember, John Magafuli, the president, was very outspoken about masking, about, you know, he's the guy who sent off the, the goat and the yeah. pawpaw and the engine oil to get tested for COVID, and they all came back positive. Remind our listeners, just, just, just that, don't, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, Matt, don't, 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 don't. Matt, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Matt, he can't hear me, can you hear me, he can't, Matt, can you hear me, stop for a minute, hang on, can you hear me, some of the guys, he can't hear me, no question in the narrative, who were doing it from a very safe platform, yeah, bit of a different situation, can you hear me, Matt, no, you've muted me by, by accident, have you, you can't hear me, no, he can't. I, I, I'm going to call him and I'm going to dump the call and get him back on. <laughs> That's a bit strange, isn't it? I wanted him to go back to the president and what the president was doing because that was very interesting, that World Economic Forum pushback. Matt, you couldn't, you, you couldn't hear me when I was speaking to you there. I was trying to interrupt you. Can you hear me? No, I think we've got connection problems. Yeah, we have connection problems. We're going to have to sort that out. I think you've got me muted. Hopefully you'll hear this in a minute. And he'll unmute me and we'll get him back on. Yeah, because I remember the, 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 the Zanzibar government pushing back against the masks and sending the objects to be tested. And then they were coming back as positive. It's very interesting this two years ago. Anywho, we'll get Matt back on before the end of the programme. Uh, we're going to the mobile phones now. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, James. Hello, James. Where are you this evening? I'm from London. I can't believe it. I've got through. I'm delighted you got through, my friend. Which <laughs> which part of London specifically? I'm always uh, interested. Fulham, Fulham, near Putney Bridge. I wasn't too far away when I was at Alexandra Palace, was I, the other day on Saturday? Okay. Wasn't a million miles away from me anyway. James, you're very yeah. welcome, mate. What would you like to say? Oh, God. I t- oh, my God. Do you know about my kids, actually? I suppose oh, I've got loads of things to talk about, but, um, Jesus, my kids, uh, yeah, they all, they all got the jab because um, my sister wanted to take them to America on holiday last year. And it was all done behind my back. But, um, the story is of my kids is uh, Jeez, like 2015, my wife had a brain injury. I had to stop working after her. And then, um, geez, I, my daughter went with my mum, and my two boys stayed with me until 2018, I think, yeah. And, uh, for social services, they, they were happy. They, they were like, oh, you're doing a great job, doing a great job. And they closed the case, and as soon as I took them out of school, they was back on me. They had the police around there, threatened to break down the door. 
Um, <clears throat> James, why did you take them out of school? I don't believe in the school system. Uh, they're just teaching them bollocks. You were concerned about the things they were being exposed to in yeah. school, so you took yeah. them out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I suppose you know what it was. It's after, oh, it's after, um, after um, going through the services, which are supposed to help you, and you see them for what they really are. I mean, I, I had, a, I had a, um, a family court judge lie, bare-faced lie to me on like, a few occasions. It's just like absolutely like, mental. Um, it's a minefield. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, the, the programme has yeah. covered the family court system and forced adoption for for years and quite a lot yeah. before COVID. Yeah, it's an absolute minefield. Yeah, so anyway, so the boys, I mean, the boys were my mum. And um, so the past few Christmases I've been on my own, so it's been very really difficult with that. And um, so mum's got three kids now. I mean, they're, they're uh, now they're um, 14, 16 and 19. But, and, do you, but do you see them, James? Do you see them regularly? Yeah, 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 as much as I can, yeah. And they, yeah. Got, they got the jabs to go to the US. That's right, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the 19-year-old, the, the I don't know, 18 or 17 at the time, I don't know, 18 maybe, uh -huh. old, old enough to... To make their own mind up, the the, the oh, younger ones maybe really not. That age. I don't believe that. You know? Do you know what? <laughs> Do I, I think we're very naive and gullible at that age. I think I think it's, it's like when we approach your twenties, you think you know everything. Yeah. Into thirties, and you realise oh, that's what I love about you. What you say, you say, the older I get, the less and less I know. Yeah. Which is so so true. <laughs> and and of course, you know your children better than than anybody. So you would have yeah. been very much against them having the jabs. Yeah, and... Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, the funny thing is, my sister who took him away, like she was like, I remember in uh, when was it in twenty twenty, I goes, oh, they're going to bring out vaccine passports. Oh, they never do that. And like a year later, they come out, didn't they? Your <laughs> your, your sister yeah. said they they'll never do yeah. that, right? Of course they won't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they're yeah, all yeah. they're okay, right? They didn't have any negative reaction. Yeah, the good. You know what? We're actually, yeah, we're like, like three of them are good. But actually, my um, the, the middle one, um, which is a boy, George. Um, he, my mum phoned me up uh, a couple of months ago, I think, or a month ago. I can't remember how exactly. Um, oh, George is really ill. He's got a really high temperature. We've kept him here all the weekend. Uh, I was going to take him to the doctors, but um, it was okay. It wasn't too bad. It was like over 40 degrees temperature. And uh, it turned out he had meningitis. He goes, you, know, you got over it, thank God. He, it wasn't too, it wasn't, it didn't get to the point where he had just rashes. You know, so right. when you have the rashes, that's when it's too, when it's, that's when it's gone too far. That's when it can be, when it can be maybe deadly. And have you, yeah. have you communicated to, to your children why you, you know, have concerns about mRNA jabs and why you would advise them not to keep having them in the future. Have you I had those conversations? They're, they're, experiment, they're experimental. They've never been used on human beings before. So, so you've told them the truth, right? So how, how do yeah, they react to yeah. that? Are they interested in what Dad has to say about these things? Or Oh, see, this is the thing. See, my mum, like when it, I mean, in 2020, she was going out in bloody goggles and a gas mask. I mean, like, just think about that. My yeah. mum was going out in goggles and a gas mask. And then like, when I would go around and visit her, and she'd make a point to come out in the back garden, oh, look at me, I'm in my goggles and gas mask. And I'd, I'd look at her and I'd be like, oh, my God. Hook, line and sinker. She, and she'll she be like, oh, 
Yeah, yeah. I, like, give me give me a jab in each arm. I'll take two of them at the same time, one in each arm. I'm like, hell. And was she saying that Just to like, wind? Was she saying that to wind you up because she knew how you felt about it? No, I don't think so. She's just like, I mean, do you know what? I think it's, do you know what it is? I believe it's like most people are good natured. Most people want to do the right thing, don't they? Yeah, of course. You know, that's what it is. I think, yeah. And they convinced yeah. people, didn't they? And it's like it's like the top of the class thing as well. Yeah. You know, it's like the school, the school, the school playground continues into the workplace, and you know, it continues, it continues into life. They were very Which clever, James, when they uh, they were very clever by convincing people that having the job would benefit everybody else, would benefit the senior citizens. And a lot of people, yeah. a lot of younger yeah. people believed that and went and got yeah. the job. And that's, that, that's, can I ask you before I move on and take another call, you're on, uh, good, you're, yeah. you're on good terms with everybody, with, with your children, because that's hugely important. Yeah, but my sister, I hate our guts. Oh, you I don't really, you don't hate Yeah. Her. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Cause, do you know what happened? Because I, I, I got sectioned, the police section in 2015 after my wife was in hospital with a brain injury. She's fucked. I mean, it should be better off dead. But um, uh, they goes, "Oh, right, we can let him out if, he, if he's got somewhere to go." And she turned her back. And I was like, "Right, I'll never fucking forget that." But you know, yeah. listen, <laughs> if if I was in your yeah. situation, I'd probably feel the same. But but maybe yeah. she didn't think she'd have been able to yeah. to look after you, Steve. Uh, James, excuse me. Yeah. This is the same. Yeah. But that's a mad thing, though. You know what I find? It's like when the people are in the, in the, in the worst place ever, when they're down in the dumps and they're like you know the your worst, friends, the worst, right? and they need somebody to help them, they're crying out for help. That's the time most people do turn their back because they don't, they don't want to have to deal with that shit, do they? Uh, they don't, oh, no, I don't want to a that. Very, a very good friend of mine, <laughs> a very good friend of mine said something very similar recently, James. A very good friend of mine said that after having a pretty horrendous time of it, uh, uh, personally, um, he found out pretty quickly who his real yeah, pals were when, yeah, when the chips were really right, down, yeah. you know. But you sound, yeah. I mean, you sound great to me. You sound pretty together now. I know you're obviously very annoyed about the lads getting jabbed, the children getting jabbed, but, but, yeah, but you're on see, terms with them. My, so my, my daughter's come out and she's saying, oh, she don't think she can have kids now. So she's getting all tested for that. Um, well, hopefully yeah. she will be able to have children. Hopefully that yeah, will be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, she, I mean, she's had, she's had a boyfriend for over a year and she said, Dad, like, I should have been pregnant by now. But you know what, James, just before I do yeah. take another call, fertility, uh-huh. is that's another huge issue, fertility problems. It's, yeah, uh, even, I know it's on a decrease, isn't it? I know yeah, it's huge, man. Do you know what, years, isn't it? Yeah. Kay Burley, we yeah. got into this on Sky News this morning or yesterday morning with somebody. Uh-huh. There are huge problems with fertility. Hey, listen, just before I, I move on, are you a Fulham yeah. fan by any chance? No, I don't, you know what, I don't support You don't bother? I support, I, I support my legs because they hold me up. Fantastic. That's the best <laughs> the best answer I've ever had when I asked somebody did they support their local football team. Thanks for getting through, pal. Yeah, yeah, great to speak to you. No, okay. my pleasure, James. Thank you. James in Fulham there. That's hard. That's hard, that, isn't it? The lads being, the, the, the two boys and the girl being jabbed so they could go to America. And James not feeling that he was included in that conversation. And obviously he feels the jabs are dangerous because they are dangerous. And this is a fact and having to live with that. And he must be wondering all the time, you know, couples who are separated for whatever reason. And one, whether it's mum or dad, says, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll, 
we'll, we'll get the, the kids jabbed and, and maybe mum knows the jobs are problematic and maybe the kids are living with dad and that can't be easy. There's so much going on around us, I suppose. Christine is on the line. Again, it's been a long time. We're meeting some old <laughs> friends. How are you doing, Christine? I'm doing good, Richie. In Limavady? Yeah. How's it in Limavady? Oh, it's been a sad week in Limavady. Why? What's happened? Well, we had one man who took a heart attack in Lidl's and is dead, 54 years of age. Had been at the gym in the morning before. We had um, my son's, he played football with this guy. He wouldn't be 40 yet. Called his son down the stairs, all this in the same day. Um, said, oh, son, my right leg's gone from under me. So they got an ambulance, got him to hospital. The clot had moved to his lung. Thank God he's alive, like. But he'll never play football again. But thank and God he's alive, a right? Girl, yeah, a girl that goes to CrossFit with my son, we would know her family, like there would her uncle would have been Jesse's best friend. Her husband was at a swim fit class. He's he's keep fit, he's done like what he called Iron Man, he's you know the triathlon. Yeah. yeah. He's actually an Iron Man, the same as my boy, but he was in the swim pool doing a swim fit class and the girl that was with him, they were kind of slower swimmers than the other one, so they were going down the lane together. When she got to the bottom, he wasn't there. He's had a stroke. Now, thank God I know you and you know me, even though we haven't mm-hmm. spoken on this programme for a long time. So I mm-hmm. can say this to you because you, you, you'll be able to handle this. Right, mm-hmm. l- l- I'll do the devil's advocate thing. Christine, people have strokes and heart attacks all the time. Not, not I'm in a small town. Yeah. You don't get three fit, healthy people who look after themselves having major events. You're I right. don't think personally. And what do we know about their job status? We know they're all jabbed they're all and listed. Jabbed. Mm-hmm. All into it. We never saw, you know, you know. speaking to James there a moment ago, you will know from listening to this programme that one of my great loves is live sports, whether it's mm-hmm. rugby league or, or soccer. We never, ever, I've watched live sport on telly, Christine, I'm sure you have in your family as well. The amount of times they pull the cameras away and they say the players are coming off now because somebody has taken ill in the crowd. That is a thing now. That never well, the was last a time I remember that happening in the north was years ago. It happened to a young Tyrone Gaelic player. He died in his sleep. Yeah. And that was like, I, I don't even know how many years ago. And then they started kind of screening players for a heart arrhythmia because when they're fit, they can't have it. But I have never heard, like this was a one-off you know, they said it was very rare. Very rare, yeah. I, I, I was whenever Mickey Hart was manager of the team. Yeah, the great Mickey Hart. Mickey wasn't yeah. it Mickey whose daughter was murdered. God love her, wasn't it? Oh, I, I, that's awful. Terrible People story never got that, justice. Yeah. It's shocking. No, terrible. We, yeah, mm. probably best not to talk mm-hmm. about that. It's depressing. No. That's horrible. That so, it is. It is awful. So like, is, is anybody in, in Limavady then around these uh, people? Are they asking questions? Is anybody saying, "Come on, come on"? Yep. Well, people are asking, people are saying outright, like, why can we not, why is nobody looking in to see? Like, if it is, I've had trauma in my own family. Thank God none of my kids or grandkids are vaccinated, but my daughter-in-law was diagnosed with cancer in the summer. And she was jabbed. But she's had her surgery and she says, thank God I didn't get that vaccine because it would probably have been terminal. No, she didn't she was very, She was very lucky and in, in um, May time she took sick and she went in with what, 
diverticulitis and then they were you know doing tests a camera and that's when they found it but like with COVID it's so the hospitals have gone so cold like she sat getting a camera and they couldn't do the test and they just turned around and said to her um we're very sorry we think you're 99.9% sure you have cancer do you want me to phone anybody that's how they told her 43 year old girl and uh, that's how they told her and then she phoned my son who was training because he he's he you know has a crossfit box and he normally goes all over the world competitions like he hasn't been away do you remember i was talking the last time about he wasn't vaccinated and he was able to get into america because he'd done his test so to say (laughs) and it was negative and it was you know that kind of way but um like he just ran out, left his two teenage sons. Nobody knew. Well, people knew there was something wrong. And yeah. he had a drive like from Lamavadi to there. You're talking 14, 15 miles. You know, there's no, there doesn't, I've spoke to nurses about this. There doesn't seem to be any care. You know, the way years ago, it was care for the patient mentally, physically, the family, keeping everybody because that helped recovery. That re- seems to have gone, Richie. I remember it well, yeah. I, when I was 15, I had very serious pneumonia, double pneumonia. And I was in, I can't remember the name of the specialist ward at Waterford Regional Hospital, but the care was magnificent. The way mm-hmm. my family were treated, my mother would come in to see me all the time, obviously. My aunts would come in. Amazing. And then afterwards, the aftercare, people coming to the house and all of that, gone. Well, when my daughter-in-law had her surgery in September, now... I have to admit, she was so lucky. She got seen quickly. She's had all her consultants been brilliant. The people in the cancer centre, you know, she couldn't thank them enough. But whenever she had her surgery, there was no visiting in our local hospital. She lay for a week after having major stomach surgery and her husband couldn't get in to see her. And do you know when he got in was the Friday for the simple reason is they like to close the ward at the weekend. And she, unfortunately, she had to get a bag, which will be reversed. And uh, she had to give herself injections in her tummy, you know, to stop clots. And she's got a phobia about needles and she refused. And they went, well, I suppose you'll have to bring your husband up and we'll show him how to do it. That's the thing so he was, that annoys me more than anything. Like when like, you when you talk about mm-hmm. you you know that good people because I believe as you believe I think that you know most people who work in hospitals are fundamentally good people yeah. but but they they changed almost kind of uniformly they changed and they became these cold kind mm-hmm. of insensitive people. We saw this in care homes where mm-hmm. they locked um, seniors in care homes and prevented them seeing their, their children and grandchildren. And of course, this was devastating for them. We see One it of in our hospitals. care homes was locked down, Richie, about four months ago. Even up to four months ago? Because, Well, for the simple reason is somebody had COVID on it. And it's the same one that my husband used to get. I don't know if you can hear him in the background playing his guitar and singing on his music. Is that playing playing the guitar? It is, yeah. uh, But he's not allowed in because he's not vaccinated. Now, the only person that's depriving is them old people because they built a special area where you would go and do that. He'd been doing that for over 15 years for nothing. And she just went, sorry, you're not vaccinated. You can't come in. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. That attitude. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that these are evil people. They're going no. along with it 
and they've become a bit callous and a bit cold and mm. that 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 kind of scares me that really that good people could so very quickly i suppose when they when they talk about nazi germany it's a, it's a great example of how you know decent people either turned a blind eye or went to work um for 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 the nazis not just in germany but in in other parts of the world where these things happened it's mm-hmm. scary that how a good person it's like, like everybody you meet i mean i was in a shop last night and god love the woman in the shop she's been wearing a mask from day dot and she was talking about the man was buried yesterday and she says mm, we know what's causing that and i went all oh, right what's that then and she went has to be the vaccine she says or at least she says they'd needed look into it and i thought well you're standing wearing a mask and i would safely say you're probably vaccinated because she went on holidays when everywhere was locked down and I thought hmm very interesting but people are asking saying but I don't think it's going any further up the chain I, I just don't know and you know, still aren't seeing people it's, it's hit and miss oh it's the same here yeah the, the surgery my, my surgery happens to be only around the corner it is impossible to get an appointment absolutely impossible well that's like just is 75 coming and he's had a triple bypass when he was 50 and he's on all this medication which he wants to stop but I won't let him Richie because I think it's, you can't just suddenly stop taking stuff like that there you yeah. know when you've been on it so long and he was getting dizzy when he got up but he had started doing a bit of training out with my son and I says maybe your blood pressure medication's too strong I don't know so he phoned to get an appointment I'll phone back at half eight now everybody has to phone at that's half eight that's terrible that same here and yeah, then yeah. she says um he says, but I won't get through. What's the point of ringing? Because yeah. this is a known thing in the town. You just don't get through. Well, the doctors now make their appointments. And he says, well, it wasn't cheeky to her. Like she spoke for five minutes on the phone to him. He says, well, darling, could you tell me what your job is if the doctors are making their own appointments? What are you doing there? Yeah. She says, oh, well, she says, we're just told to tell people that. He says, but if I wanted to come down now and get a vaccine and get a flu shot, you would have an appointment mysteriously. In a heartbeat. In a heart. Oh, no, it's not like that, she says. He says, he says it, it is, is the cat, he says, because they're getting paid for it. I remember, yeah. I don't know if you, well, I nearly sounded for a moment like James O'Brien. I nearly sounded like an Egypt. <laughs> no, I was going to say, some years ago, I told a story on this show. It, it, it was true, the story. Uh, well, I, w- I wouldn't be telling lies. But I lived in Fallowfield. And I went to see my local nurse to just to have the kind of um, kind of a pit stop, basically, you know, take mm-hmm. the blood pressure and stuff like that. And it was the first time that it ever happened to me. The, the nurse said, I know uh, who you are from listening to you speak. I know who you are. Somebody belonging to her, as we say in Ireland, somebody belonging mm-hmm. to her was a listener. So I said, oh, that's nice. I said, say hello to the person, blah, blah, blah. And the nurse said, um, Mr. Allen, um, we have targets for the flu jab and we get there are bonuses available the more people we convince to have the flu jab she said to me and uh, that's not official and and I I tried to find out I tried to dig deeper into that sent a lot of emails and freedom of information requests but nobody ever got put back to me but she said that she you know she could play that game she said she wasn't playing that game but Uh she could if she wanted that there were bonuses for sticking the flu jab in people that doesn't work most of the time Oh, it's crazy. Like my son sent a freedom of information request a way back during the lockdown to know how many people in Northern Ireland had died from just COVID. And do you know how many there was after a year? Yeah, remind me. I do know, but I can't remember. Four. Four. That's right. Four. Yeah, four Mm -hmm. cases. Yeah. Four. 
I don't know what it is now. I don't even know would they give you freedom of information requests. Well, there's nobody working here anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. No. It, it <laughs> there's isn't, nothing happening here. Just, just, just before I take another call, can I ask yeah. you this? Do you hold some hope, or maybe it's happening, maybe it is happening. Younger people are not stupid. They must be aware of the collapses that you described, Christine, when you first came on. And if they are hearing this stuff, surely they're not going to be continuing down the booster path. What, what do you think? Well, I, I think people are waking up. My grandson, he just, he, he said to me, I used to think my daddy went on and on too much about the vaccine, but look look at that. We named the man. He says, I, th- I think it's uh, it has to be granny. And I says, it is, Bobby. There's no has to be. Because like, he plays football and does a crossfit and he's dumbfounded that Jumpful is at a school that got it when it came out. Not a lot now. Not a lot in his school, I have to admit. Not a lot. Although the, the local grammar school here, they do a ski trip and they had a condition you had to be vaccinated to go next year. And I know a mother personally who got on the phone and said to them, my daughter's not getting vaccinated and she's going on the trip. So they've dropped, she got the, requir- they've dropped the requirement for the job for the ski trip then? Good. Well, no, well, they dropped it for her because she just told she them it wasn't off. happening. She kicked off, yeah. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what you have to do, though, is kick off, isn't it? Christine, mm-hmm. I'm going to take another call. I'm That's delighted grand, you got Richie through. Best. And you too. Tell him he's sounding great there in the background. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, Christine. Christine's a top lady. She's uh, in Limavady. And uh, I've gotten to know her on social media. I'm really glad she called through back with some more on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Hi there. It's Eamon here from Immunex365. And I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter, and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the Northern Hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I am really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex 365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. There is plenty of time for you to call me. It's only 24 minutes past the hour of six o'clock. Don't ordinarily give you the exact time, the podcast and all of that. Uh, This programme is archived on richieallen.podomatic.com and there it goes out to iTunes and all the podcast providers you can think of. Here is the, uh, here are the details you need to phone me between now and the end of the programme. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. It is the phone in, and I should read some comments. That's one of the things I do neglect during the phone ins is uh, the comments. Thank you for them. You may comment at richieallen.co.uk, and it is live comment at the very top of the page. It couldn't be any simpler. That is live comment there. Uh, Hi to Dave, who says you went to Ali Pali at the weekend, Richie. I did. I was treated. I mentioned this on Sunday uh, by 
Peter Ebden, and thanks again to Peter for that. It was fantastic. Great day out. Sad, uh, the, the result didn't go our way, but it was nice to, uh, to to hook up with Peter again. Lucy says, Christine is a great caller from Northern Ireland. I'm also from Northern Ireland, says Lucy. I'm keeping a list of people who've taken ill and some have died from potential jab side effects. Hi to Bridget, who says, Freedom Convoy 2022 put a video on Instagram today purportedly showing that the Greta Thunberg arrest was staged for the cameras. It certainly looks like it. Bridget, I did talk about this very briefly at the top of the programme. I totally understand why people think that it is uh, staged, and it might be, because I don't know that it wasn't staged, but you don't see anybody saying, get into position now. You don't see anybody saying, lights, camera, action now. You don't see any of that. You do see the police officers acting very jovial, with her Greta, and that could just be because she's a pretty slight young woman who is very famous, but I could be wrong. Call me naive, why don't you? Because I might be. Uh, caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? That's uh, you. It is indeed. Who have I got? It's Richard. Richard Hughes. Hello, Richard. Welcome to the programme. Where are you? I'm in Marbella in Spain at the moment. You jammy uh, dodger. <laughs> you jammy yeah. dodger. Now tell me I this, know. Richard. Did you have to show one of those dodgy... No, you didn't because Spain lifted all no. the requirements. Yes, that's right. No, no, no. What's it no, like no, there? No. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Drive us mad. What's it like in Marbella? Well, I, I basically sold my house about nine months ago to travel abroad to get away from the COVID crap from the UK. Um, I bought a motorhome, sold my house and uh, started travelling. So... That's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm kind of travelling around Europe, avoiding the COVID shit in the UK. But I just wanted to like tell you about something that's happening in Spain now, because I'm camping on a campsite now with about another 800 camper vans. <clears throat> and um, lots of British people meet, a lot of Spanish, Dutch, Germans. And there's a lot of good news, because a lot of these older people I'm speaking to now are waking up. That's amazing, this. This is amazing, this. And these are people who would have believed it at the beginning, would have believed lockdowns were necessary and believed that maybe they should have a jab. But since then, they've realised that it's a big scam. Well, most of them had jabs. Most of them had two jabs, three jabs. Jesus. But now they won't have another jab. They don't believe in it. They're starting to like listen to people like you. I'm talking to people all the time and giving them advice about listening to like different like news sources. But there, there, there are, there are, a lot of the people I speak to now have sold up from England and, and Ireland and Scotland, and they're actually buying motorhomes to get away. They're trying to escape the UK. And when you come to like places, I know Spain had really bad lockdowns, but the freedom here now is like it's a bit of a different freedom. You know, you're a bit more open-minded people. There's a lot of like, in, in Marbella, it's Spanish, English, German, French, yeah. Ukrainians, Russian. There's, it's not just British people here. So, yeah, the, you know, at the moment, you know, I'm looking on the positive side. A lot of people, especially people in the 60s and 70s, they say no more jabs. I'm not listening to that shit anymore. I don't want to listen to the BBC anymore. I'm sick of Sky News. They listen to stuff like GB News. They listen to your show. I've got about 20 people on this campsite listening to you now. So, you know, oh, thanks very much, Richard. That's brilliant. And what what is the common denominator? Is it vaccine injuries? Is that what has led many of these people to take a second look? A lot of people don't know about that, but they just a lot of people are saying, you know, why have a jab every three months? You know, that they're starting to realise you can't keep sticking a needle in your arm every three months. They don't know about the injuries. I talked about about the injuries, 
But a lot of them might get a bit upset about that. But then I talk to them about my personal friends that have been injured. One had a heart attack. One was off work for a year, couldn't work. And I talk to them like as friends. And I explain to them, you know, the things that have happened to me, you know, the people I talk to. And they like start to listen. I listen to their side. And they hear about people that have died of cancer, you know, randomly died of cancer after like, you know, never having cancer. And they all of a sudden have had cancer and have died of cancer within a year. And they kind of like put, they're adding the dots together now, and they're starting to realise there's, there's something going on. You know, it's not normal. It isn't normal, is it? What eight hundred vans there, and many of these people can I ask. Look, I think, and I really do mean this. What what you've done is about the bravest thing that uh, I've ever I've ever heard of. The first time I was exposed to this was in th- that film with Frances McDormand, which is marvellous. She plays a woman who sells up and gets into a van. It's an American movie. She might, she might well have received an Oscar for it. And I looked at that and thought, that takes some courage. At any stage, Richard, since you sold up the house and bought um, the mobile home, have you cacked yourself and thought, have I done the right thing? Or? <laughs> no, well, that's one thing you don't want to do is cack yourself too yeah. much because you've got a motorhome, you've got a smaller toilet. But no, no, no. <laughs> Um, no, the bottom line is I had a big house, I had a four-bed house, double garage, I had a business, you know, a big garden, and I just saw what was coming. I thought, well, I, I saw what was coming, not just with COVID, but with a, a recession, the house prices crashing, you know, the control. But a lot of people are doing this. If you go to YouTube and you put in camping, you know, put motorhomes, there's a lot of people now on YouTube that are actually traveling. A lot of wealthy people have sold up and are moving into a motorhome and living in the motorhome because they want have a, a smaller life to get away from cities and live in the countryside. It's the best thing I've done. I've got a few friends. I've got a friend called George Stillings. He lives in a, a, a tent and a car with his dog. You know, my sister's about to sell her house and buy a motorhome or maybe a static caravan. A lot of people want to get, kind of get out of that mortgage situation and, you know, that yeah. heaviness of, like, all that stuff. But what know? about, what about, um, what about funds? What about money for the day-to-day expenses, Richard? Well, for me, I mean, I spend, it costs me 15 euros a day in my camper van to stay on this campsite. So um, I get electricity included. I've got water included. So, you know, I, had, I didn't have a mortgage, but, you know, I lived in a house. If I was living in my house with electricity and gas and council tax, I would probably pay £500 a month, yeah. £600 a month. So I'm, I'm paying less. But luckily for me, I, you know, I, I sold a house. I didn't have a mortgage. I, I, you know, I've sold a business. So I've got funds. But you can actually, you know, can make money if you do YouTube channels and stuff like that. But obviously, if you're not making money from... You're going like to struggle, that, right. You've got yeah. savings. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. But you can live, you know, you can live for a cheap level, £300 a, a month, and you can have, like, a you know, quality life. Tell, tell me about... How do I phrase this? How do you feel in yourself? Have you... Do, do you feel happier and healthier and more energetic now having done this than, than when you were here in the UK? Well, yeah, because obviously I'm always about, out and about. You don't sit in a motorhome all day. No. It's quite small. I'm with, I'm with my cat, Lenny. You know, he goes out for the day. I disappear on my mountain bike, go to the gym, I go to the beach, I come back, you know, I feed the cat, I sit in the sun, have some food, talk to the neighbours. It's more a life of, it's like an, like an Australian, like outdoor life where it's warm, you go outside, you mix with people. Where in the UK now, I'd be sat at home watching the telly drinking all night, yeah. depressed. And that's the way it is in England now. As you know, people don't mix. It's cold. No one goes out. And at the moment, people can't have the heating on. So I can imagine how bad it is for people. And I feel sorry for them. And I advise people, if you can afford to sell your house, get out, buy a motor, buy a caravan abroad, do it. And, the there, are, do and there are communities of people who understand 
that we're in the middle of a big, you know, a real lurch towards totalitarianism and older oh, people are figuring wow. this out. Like, this is really fascinating to me. Oh, there's people from the, the uh, Norway, Holland, Ukraine, all around Europe on this campsite and they're all escaping what's happening in their country and they're all travelling. I can move tomorrow. If I don't get, I'm not happy with this place. I drive 100 miles, I go to Portugal, I can drive from Spain. I've been to Croatia, I've been to Romania, I've been to France, Germany, Italy, Portugal. I've been everywhere in Europe in the last nine months. And you can keep moving, you can do what you want, move on. If you don't like it, you don't feel the feeling, you move on. That's and you, the whole... you sound really, you, no, 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 you sound genuinely happy and excited about it. You've got Lenny the Cat. I couldn't imagine doing what you're doing without having the... The, the the feline or the canine companion it must make it um all the more fun i suppose as much as anything the companionship as well yeah well i haven't got the female me and my, my female we fell out that's why i fell out and then i sold the house so I'm, i thought you know it's time for just me and a bit of time for me brought my cat with me and you know what i meet so many good people you know i've had some like a couple of relationships on the road i went to a beaver so you know life is life you've got to keep on your toes you can't, if you sometimes if you stay stagnant in the same place it gets a bit too stagnant, and sometimes you need to move around. You know, when you were a young boy, when I was 18, 19, I was in the Isle of Man, I was in Ibiza, I was in Mallorca, I was always travelling. And when you get to a certain age, you have kids, and you, you calm down, and it gets a bit stagnant. But, you know, if you've got the chance to do it, sell up, move on, buy a motor and buy a caravan, and go travel and enjoy yourself. And off you that's go. Of you. Richard, that's, that's an amazing uh, call, mate. Thanks for that. Do stay in touch with us and uh, yeah, pop, pop back on again in a couple of months' time and give us an update on, on where you've been and, and who you've spoken yep. to. Uh, brilliant stuff, mate. Godspeed to you and to Lenny. Okay, love the show, by the way, and I keep listening to it all the time. My friend George Stillings and my sister Tina Hughes told me about you. I woke up a few years ago. Thank you. I'll keep listening always. You're welcome, Richard. And hi to George and Tina, if you happen to be listening. It's uh, br brilliant to make the connections. And thanks for promoting the programme on your travels All as right, well. No thanks a million, Richard. Richard was in Marbella with his cat, Lenny. He sold everything and bought a, a motorhome and is travelling Southern Europe in it. That's astonishing to me. It really is. It sounds blissful. I think we can speak with Matt I tried to, well, Matt rang in earlier on. Matt's a teacher, and I hope he can hear me this time. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well, Richie. Can thank, you hear me? Thank God. You somehow managed to mute me earlier. I don't know how you managed to do that. But you know what I was doing? I was screaming frantically at you, and you were carrying oh. on. No, no, the reason was because you said something obviously hugely interesting at the beginning. You talked about the Zanzibar government and how the WEF came after uh, the government because the government and the, the president was asking questions about COVID that they shouldn't have been asking That's about. Right. I, I, I just right. wanted I, you to I tell that story, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it was, the guy's name was John Magafuli, and he was the famous president who sent off the pieces of uh, poor girls and engine oil to be tested for COVID. And they all came back positive. <laughs> so, he, and he, he kind of ridiculed it. It was a good. That's why I went there in the first place. However, um, the the minute that he he actually questioned the vaccine in the country, um, he disappeared. Was never heard from again. That's right. Always still there, Richie. No, I'm. I am. I can hear you loud and clear, uh, Matt. Yeah, he disappeared and. It's just just important to remind people of that, you know. You can still hear me, presumably. No, he can't. It's all very mysterious. Oh, no. 
Oh, it's happened again, right? I'm just going to move on quickly because there are many callers trying to get through. That's a bloody nuisance, that, because it's an interesting story. Anyhow, back to the mobile phone. Hello. Hello, caller. Who am I speaking with? Nicola. Is it, did you say Nicola? Right, I'm going to clear that call out and call Nicola back. It's like there are gremlins in the system this evening. There are gremlins. Let's try and get Nicola back. I'm phoning her now. I think it was Nicola. 22 minutes to the top of the hour. Hello. Hello, Nicola. Hi. Oh, you sound a bit better now that I dumped your call and called you back. Welcome right, to the programme. Lovely to hear from you. Where, where are you calling from? Um, Mobbly, near Nutsford. Near, near Nutsford. So you're not too far away from me. Mobberly. Do you Nutsford. pop into the railway for a pint? I do, occasionally. So you will know Laura and Rick and Laura's mum? No, no, we're not regulars or anything. Well, next time you pop in, say that there's a point behind the bar from Richie. Laura can come and collect it uh, from either of you, Bob. Hey, Nicola, it's lovely to, to hear from you. What would you like to say? Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear, Nicola. Go ahead. What would you like to say? I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know what's going on today. The call has just dropped out. It's like their gremlins have just descended upon the Richie Allen show. I'm going to give Nicola one more try, and then we'll we'll move swiftly on. Let's see, can we get Nicola back? Third time's a charm is an old saying across the pond, but I think, you know, she's in Nutsford, which is a beautiful part of the world. It's a beautiful village. It's not far from Tatton Park, in fact. Jeez, I sound like I know stuff, don't I? Nicola! No, no, she's she's out of service. Ah, well. Ah, well. Let's try. Let's try, let's try, let's try. Matt! What are you doing? Why are you muting me? What's happening there? I'm not sure. I've just switched devices back to this. Are you there, Richie? Yeah, I know I can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. Yeah, I've just switched devices from the laptop to the phone. Hopefully it'll help. Hopefully that will help, yeah. So we so we know what happened to the president of Zanzibar for daring to challenge the COVID narrative, so we moved on from Indeed. that. Indeed, yeah. yeah. And um, actually, I mean, I'm in Mexico now. I've spent most of this last three years outside of the UK, which kind of gives a different picture. But I want to tell people, this fight is global. And... There's a lot to be positive about in the UK. I mean, I think we heard it tonight in your first call from young Evie. Evie, yeah. Fantastic. Um, Now, what I'm seeing in Mexico, I see a lot of bullshitters on BitChute and all these sort of channels saying, oh, Mexico, it's the land of the free. Everything's great here. Every school child is wearing a mask. All the big cities are masked. If I want to teach here as a teacher, I'd need to be vaccinated and masked. We're not reached that stage in the UK. So I don't want people, last caller, Richard, great guy, uh, living the dream. But I don't want everybody in the UK to be, be despondent because I think, you know, the resistance is very strong in the UK and that's not to be underestimated. Right now, I, I, what, 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 is it Mexican summertime now? Uh, no, it's winter. It's winter in Mexico, right. There's no such thing as a stupid question, but I did ask a stupid question there, I think. So it no, is winter. But but, but, but climate-wise, it wouldn't be cold. And they've got the kids wearing the masks, Matt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every school child I see is wearing a mask. And, every, and these are in universities. You know, 
this mass pushing, they're going for the young people and they're going from all over the world. And for me as a teacher, it's up to us to say, no, we're not doing that. You know, um, you might have to make sacrifices. In fact, it makes me think about teachers striking just now. Now, working class solidarity, I'm all about. 100% right. People earning a good living wage, I'm all about. But um, what I would question is, you know, people think one world government, you know, like, uh, what's he called? Uh, Schwab and his goons of the World Economic Forum. It's deeper than that. You know, I've seen it 20 years in teaching. These institutions are captured and the people who are working in them, for the majority of people who go along to get along. Um, so I, I, I think I think the fight is is much deeper than a bunch of characters at the top. You know, it's, it's going to take a lot more. When you when when you say deeper, do you mean that it's more of a spiritual battle? That there's more there's more of a kind of an esoteric thing going on. Well, there is a side to that, but I just think basically right and wrong. Um, institutions in terms of probably the same in the health service, um, the same in education, is that the people who are employed, kept on, promoted by people who will follow the system. Now, yeah. I worked in colleges and universities and I saw the workforce casualized, you know, so people are desperate for those few hours. These are teachers. Now, when you're in that position, or people who've got mortgages, uh, kids in school, find it difficult to walk away from their jobs. They find it very difficult, obviously, to speak up and say, no, we're not having yeah. this, you know? But we have on to moral, understand that, don't we, Matt? Like, Absolutely. I, yeah, I totally I understand do, that. I do have sympathy for that, but, you know, at the same time, I made sacrifices, you know, I've, I've walked away from, from a good job. Um, is that, is that your canine chum there in the background screaming at you? Uh, yeah, I'm sort of up in the, I'm in a sort of mountain village and there's a few dogs around. The reception, the reception is very good. And, and yeah, so nine, nine months you've been in, in Mexico. Uh, no, well, what have I been? A little bit this, less than that. this particular trip, I've been here since September. Since September. Um, I actually got back to the UK last, last, uh, summer. I was there from May until September. Uh, before that, I was in Mexico from the previous set. So I've had a few uh, aliases on, on connecting. We've had um, Montenegro, Matt, Zanzibar, and Matt. And right, yeah. And Matt. yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm from Blackburn. And, uh, 20 years experience teaching. I remember the very first time we spoke. It was an absolutely fascinating call. You're so well placed. And it's only 17. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, um, and and I did I would un, until you phoned in I wouldn't have known about what's going on in Mexico. Yes, you're right. There are certain truths or characters painting Mexico as some sort of free utopia, and you're yeah, saying it isn't. And so it might be if you've got like uh, if you have a few million quid in crypto and you can buy your own ranch. I'm sure it's great, but you know I'm talking about people, and yeah. and I don't think running away is the answer. I feel like I might have more to contribute. For example, in the UK, where I'm speaking my own language, where I, yeah. I know the culture, I can, you... I can achieve much more there than I can, you know, sort of just looking after myself and avoiding it all in Mexico. What's the right thing to do? I don't know. So you're considering returning to teaching in the UK then? Um, well, I, I, w I will certainly be back um, teaching this, this uh, 
from sort of spring until autumn, yeah? Whether it'll be a permanent thing, I don't know. Because, because I, I've, spent, yeah. I've spent most of my life teaching overseas, you see. Yes, that's so, right. We spoke about this. And you'd ideally like to get a nice job at a English-speaking school in Mexico, but you'd have to be jabbed and you'd have to be masked and no chance. You're not going to do absolutely that. Absolutely never going never to happen. Never a million years, yeah. So back to Blighty. So, um, well, we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'd like to think I, I, I've enjoyed working and experiencing different cultures, but I'm very, very aware that digital IDs and things coming down the pike may uh, put a stop to that. And if they do, I'll have to pick a country and stay there. So, hey You're absolutely bang on, Matt. This is an inevitability. Digital IDs, social credit system. And I don't say this to depress our listeners. I don't. I say it because I believe that, you know, we're going to have to suffer a certain amount of this stuff before it gets better. They are going to bring this stuff in really quickly. No doubt about that. I think so. And they're testing different things out in different populations. And yeah. uh, nobody should think that there's some magical escape. Um, but, you know, like, like I, your other caller said. Thanks, Matt. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we got to finish that conversation. Hope. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Richie. I appreciate the time. Like I said, um, big respect to Evie, your first caller, because um, Brilliant call, when we've got eh? young people like that, Amazing. that's what we want going when, forward. When you're back cool. over here, if you're up in the northwest, get in touch with me. We'll have a beer, Matt. Be, be nice to, to, to chat with you. More on these to, issues. Uh, I'm, I'm not too far away. Um, well, you said, you in, said Blackburn, uh, so yeah, yeah. You're only, you're only around right. the corner. Matt, I'm going to take another call. Matt in Mexico, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I think we've got Gigi on the line. Am I right in saying that? Uh, yes, it's actually Aaron. How it's, are you? It's Aaron. Aaron, I think a long time ago we may have spoken. We have not, but I did email you something um, during the pandemic. And ah. that's what I kind of wanted to talk, to, talk the, to you about. Well, we've got plenty of time. Time, Thank you, God. Aaron, whereabouts are you? You sound like you're next door, but you're not. I am in. Baltimore, Maryland, in the United States. In Baltimore and Maryland. I know somebody from yes. Baltimore and Maryland. One of my more frequent guests, I think, in the past is from your neck of the woods. It will come to me in a moment. Anyway, I'll <laughs> shut up and get out of your way. You are very welcome to this program. So um, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. I just wanted to let you know the ridiculousness with which I'm going through at work. I am still under a vaccine mandate at my job. And I work at a community college, which in the U.S., that means the first two years of college. And I'm a department chair for the radiography department. So I teach students how to be x-ray technologists. And they have mandated the vaccine. I'm proud to say that I declined and I am a non-GMO human still. <laughs> and... I've been mandated to test every single week with a PCR test. I have three part-timers, part-time instructors who need to PCR test, but they only come in once a week. They come in, PCR test in the morning, go to class, and then go home and not come in for another week. So the ridiculousness of that, knowing the PCR results don't come back to th two to three days later, we're still allowed to go to class. It's insane, Aaron. It's insane. And yeah. I, back in October, I put in an exemption. What they did was they finally dropped the vaccine mandate for everybody else but those in the health professions. 
So, but what I do with my job is no different than an English professor. I don't practice clinically and I have not in over 17 years. It's all so theory. I, it's all theory it, for your students, right? It's yes. I, I teach in a classroom. I have an office on campus. I go to meetings just like any English professor and I can't get them to see how discriminatory that this practice is. So I'm supposed to be testing once a week. I stopped that in October and I put in an exemption for that. Like I don't teach, I don't go out clinically and it, what I do in my own business is none of their business. I've not heard back from them. I've not heard back from them at all. So supposedly five weeks go by and you get an occurrence once a week, every week that you do not test, you get an occurrence. And the fifth one I should be, should, is firing. So I should be fired by now. <laughs> you should be speaking to me as an unemployed uh, exactly. teacher of radiography. Yeah, but you're not. And, and what are you doing? No. Are you just keeping your head down and saying nothing and just carrying uh, on? Yep, exactly. I just go about my business. As a matter of fact, before this past December, I was not allowed to take out one of the company cars because I'm not vaccinated. I was also not allowed to get their money for to go away for conferences to another state. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> Is there but anybody? Anyway. But you did. But you do anyway. Can I? Can I? Can I just jump in for a moment and ask you this? Sure, yeah. Because this is this is really interesting and frustrating and crazy at the same oh. time. Imagine I'm thinking that you're living through it. Of course. What about unions or? Or is there anybody there that, that could advocate for you? What about employment lawyers to say, hey, hang on a second, this is discriminatory in the extreme? Yes, um, our faculty are not unionized. However, there was a union rep on campus recently asking that, do you think you, you, know, you would be willing to? I said, yeah. And she had a mask on in my office, which I don't have. I've, I've been ignoring that mask mandate the entire time. And she's like, well, what, what's the reason? And I told her that and she almost like drew back like, ah, you're not next to me. Um, so I have contacted two attorneys and they both told me that I am not a protected status. So um, I, it would be worthless to, to sue anybody. And I am about seven years away from retirement. I want to keep my retirement. It's a government job. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's a great pension. So if you get fired the fifth time, you lose your your pension or you lose their in, their shared part of the pension. So I don't <laughs> I just keep going about my business. I keep teaching. I'm the, the whole department chair. I keep, go, you know, doing everything that I normally do because one department doesn't talk to the other department. So I rented a car in December. They said, oh, yeah, sure. I don't need to see your vaccine card. I'm like, uh, OK. And then, um, yeah, I just go about my business. Do you think? And, um, do you think there's any possibility? And I hope, please God, this—if there is a God, please God, this is the the reason. Do you think they might have just decided? Because you sound lovely, Aaron. I imagine you're a good colleague. <laughs> do you think they might have decided? Just let Aaron be. Just say nothing. <laughs> there's a possibility. Um, I yeah. had uh, when the whole thing came about. In 2020, I or actually 2021 with the vaccine mandate, I sent them a beautifully worded email with 10 peer reviewed journal articles attached to it talking about, you know, I've been in the medical field for over 30 years that natural immunity is just like immunity. I, I don't believe in any of this, but I just wanted to have them 
you know, ignore me from the beginning. Like, don't do this because they wouldn't even look at it. They actually, they replied, and this is a direct quote, that I am, quote, a direct threat to the community being unvaccinated. My God. I said, challenge accepted. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) No, but in your mind, yeah, yeah. I was like, really? Really? And then they go on to have committees on culture, diversity, and inclusion and send out a survey. And wow. I'm like, are you inclusive? Are your, do your thoughts matter around here? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> there, there must be some people in your department and in other departments who have sympathy for you. I mean, do you get the, do you get the occasional nudge from a colleague, you know, who says, yeah. Aaron, this is madness like, you know? Oh, everybody does. I'm very vocal on my floor. I'm very close friends with pretty much all my colleagues on this floor and including my department. I'm the only one on that floor not vaccinated. The others got the first two of Pfizer or Moderna and then never got any boosters because that wasn't mandated. And they're like, screw that. They all are behind me. All my colleagues are behind me like, this is ridiculous. And we, we make jokes about it. And then one of my colleagues recently came up to me and said, you know, I really admire you for going through all this because that's hard to do going against everybody. Yeah. Like we just did it because we're going with it. Like just to get them off our backs, we just went ahead and get vaccinated. I said, well, that's not a reason. A job isn't a reason for me to almost kill myself with a vaccine. There's no way. Uh-huh. And then I had the horror of having to tell all of my students they needed to get vaccinated. You have to communicate this to them, be right? In the class. At all. I had one with blood clots in her legs, very healthy, young, active. I had another one with a miscarriage. I cry at night over this. But you didn't do that, Erin. The the school did it. The college did it. You know, the universities did it. You didn't do that. You you had to inform them that they wouldn't be allowed to attend lectures unless they were vaccinated. And... That is astonishing. In in that group of students, one blood clots on the legs and one had a miscarriage. Yeah. Young women mostly in my program. And they, because they go to the hospitals for clinical rotations. Yeah, I, I cried over that. But I do have support at the college. Everybody says, yeah, this is ridiculous. Just drop it. Just drop it. So who knows what they're saying behind the scenes? Oh, my gosh, that Erin, she's got a lot of good evidence. Maybe yeah. I don't know, <laughs> and, and 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 maybe they're saying, look, she's you know she's she's great at her job. She's got seven years. Just leave this lady alone. That exactly. might be it too. I I I hope so. It's been um, Aaron. It's been brilliant speaking with you. We're just about coming up on the end of it, but thanks. But it's an inspirational call, and I'm not again. I'm not patronising you when I say that because I love listeners to hear this. You know, do stand up for yourself. Do stand up for what's right. But be like Aaron. You know, do it in a clever way. Don't be the bull in the china shop. You know, I'm, not, I'm sure you've been yeah. the bull in the china shop sometimes. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but be discretion sometimes as well can get you places, um, Aaron. So, uh, yeah, great to uh, t- to meet you. And uh, thanks for, for calling through. Absolutely. And Godspeed. Thank speed. you so much, Richie. And I come here and I tell you, if there's any, you know, any update, any information, do get back in touch with us and, uh, and update us. Sure will. Thank you so much. Thanks, Have Aaron. Have a great day. You too. Uh, fantastic. Aaron, who's a professor of uh, radiography, teaches radiography, radiology, and uh, is still kind of got the sword of Damocles over her head. She's still under a vaccine mandate in Baltimore and Maryland, but she's not having it. 
and she could be fired, she said. But she's just kind of quietly going about her business and hoping to kind of get away with it. And um, let's hope that the people who are above her and who make that decision or, or, or would have the power to make that decision, let's hope they're saying, you know what, Erin is a good sort, she's a good soul, let's just ignore her and let her crack on with her job. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all our callers from Aaron there at the end to little Evie, little Evie, uh, Evie who called in first at the very beginning of it. Back tomorrow with two guests for you, three guests. In, in fact, I think tomorrow, uh, Thursday's program at five o'clock UK time. It's your Richie Allen show. And I'm closing out with something Irish. This is the big geraniums and home again. Bye now.